We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. I'd like for you very quickly to turn with me in your Bible to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading in John 14 and uh, for your reading today, begin in verse 13, John 14 and 13. And uh, I'll be very, very transparent with you today. Uh, I don't know where the Lord is taking this word. I was here very early this morning before 630. I was in my office and uh, in a time of just prayer and asking the Lord how he wanted me to take this word today, how he wanted me to express this word today I feel like God wants to do something today I feel like this is going to be more than just a lesson or a message uh, but I feel like God wants to do something in this house today and that's a precursor to me from what for what I feel in this house and um, anybody can come to a, a pulpit and lecture uh, a lot of times on Wednesday nights uh, we do Bible study we do 10 o'clock Bible study um, and uh, in those moments uh, where I have a word, I've, I've prepared a, a thought over a period of days, maybe even weeks, to come to the pulpit and to just bring a, an established word. Um, that's a lot different than what I, what I feel today. Uh, because when I come to the pulpit to preach and not to teach, I want to be led by the Spirit. And today I feel like I'm being led by the Spirit. I feel like I, I, feel like I have something to tell you today, something to show you today, something to express to you today that if you'll grab a hold of it, It'll change you forever. Amen. Let's read, read with me today. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter. He may be that he may abide with you forever. Watch these next few scriptures. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the word, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I would not leave you comfortless. I, somebody say I. He said, I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Oh, hallelujah. This morning I want to preach to you for just a little while. And I want to talk to you about Paracletus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what we feel. We're so thankful for your spirit that we feel in this room today. Lord, and that spirit that we feel in this room wants to be in us. And Lord, I pray today that 
we would not just be hearers of this word today, but I pray today someone would be a doer of this word today. And it would set us on fire and set us ablaze. And I pray, Lord, today that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And we'll be careful to give you praise, glory, in Jesus' name. And the church said, in Jesus' name, now shout amen. 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 And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, Paracletos. I want to talk to you today about the Spirit of God. And I want to make very clear here in the onset of when I talk about the Spirit of God, I'm not talking about something that is separate from God, but is God. God's Spirit, God's presence. Today in our service, we have already felt the Spirit of God. Because when the Spirit of God comes in, there is a shift in the atmosphere. There is an anointing that enters a room. There is an anointing that will set on a preacher. There is an anointing that will set on a singer. There is an anointing that will set on a minister. And there is an anointing that will set on a congregation. And there is a spirit of God that we feel today. And there may be someone here today who've never been in a church service like this before. And you say, I feel something differently today because I believe that God is a God of feeling. I believe that God is a God of emotion. I believe that God has given us emotions for that reason, that he connects to us through our emotions. If you've ever had an experience with God, it was an emotional experience. There was a spirit involved in that. There was a connection involved in that. It wasn't something that you just learned academically, but you felt emotionally. I feel the presence of God. I feel him in the room. I feel something happening that I can't explain. Uh, you can go all the way back to the very beginning of your Bible, and you will see that God has always brought his spirit into the picture as we see that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the earth had no shape or form. And the spirit of God moved. Amen? The spirit of God moved on the waters. It moved on the earth. It moved, the Bible says it moved on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved and God said without there being a move, there could be no word. Without there being a move of God's Spirit, then the Word of God would not have had uh, the right of way to speak a word. And when he spoke, there was light and life and creation. We see that God's spirit moves on. It moved on the earth first, but we see that the spirit of God moves on Abraham and the spirit of God moves on Moses and the spirit of God will move on Aaron and the spirit of God will move on Samson. The Bible says the spirit of God would move on him at times. And the power of Samson, I know we all think that the power of Samson was in his hair, but the power of Samson never came on him until the spirit came on him. His hair was not his power. His hair was his vow. His power was the spirit of God that would move on him at times. It would move on him. And when the spirit of God would move on men like Abraham, they would leave hearth and home and follow after the will of God. When the spirit of God would move on people like Noah, Noah would build a great ark to the saving of his family and the saving of the world when the Spirit of God would move 
on Moses, it would give him power to stand in front of Pharaoh and say, let my people go. When the Spirit of God would move on Aaron, it would give him authority to throw down his rod and see it turn into a serpent and give him power to walk in the Levitical priesthood that God had put on him. When God moved on Samson, he caused him to tear down walls and rip up gates and kill a thousand soldiers with nothing but the jawbone of a donkey, a dead bone that God gave him power and strength through his spirit. When God moved on Gideon, it caused him to blow a trumpet. When God moved on David, the spirit of God was upon him. It caused him to kill giants and to raise up kingdoms. When the Spirit of God moved on Isaiah, he said, For unto us a son is born, and unto us a son is given. Unto us the government shall be upon us. When the Spirit of God moved on men of old, they wrote. They wrote down verses and chapters and letters that would uh, reveal to us and encourage us and illuminate our minds and, and connect with our spirits when the Spirit of God moved on men like Samuel. Samuel would do great works for the Lord when God would move on men like Elijah that would call down fire from heaven, speak and the, the, the heavens would close up, open their mouths and the heavens would open. When the Spirit of God would move on men like Elisha, they would take mantles and hit rivers and get dry land. Amen. Thank God for the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God moving. What you feel today is the Spirit of God moving. And the same Spirit that was on those men is on us today. Yeah. It's not a new Spirit. It's not a special Spirit. It's not, it's not this dispensation Spirit. No, it is the Spirit of the living God. The Spirit of God was so strong on Elisha. And if you haven't been here on Wednesday night Bible studies, I encourage you to go back because over the last couple of weeks I've been teaching about Elisha. But the Spirit of God moved on Elisha so strong that he was dead in a cave, a hole, a pit, the Bible would say. He had been dead for many, many years. To the fact that Elisha's now just a bag of bones. And somehow, some way, they accidentally threw in a dead man who had just died into the same pit as Elisha. And when they threw that dead man in the pit with Elisha, that dead man touched Elisha's bones and came back to life because the Spirit of God was on him. Oh, hallelujah. The Spirit of God was on him. Somebody say, I want the Spirit of God on me. I want it on me. I want it on my life. I want it on my children. I want it on my family. I want it on me. I want the Spirit of God on me because I see that when the Spirit of God comes on you, great things can happen. Yes. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament was a spirit that would come on. A spirit that would, that would come on men of God, come on women of God. And, 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 and when that Spirit would, would come on them, some great things would happen. Miracles, signs, and wonders in the Old Testament. And, and as we enter into the New Testament, we, we see that Spirit of God there in the New Testament as well. We'll see that when Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist and Mary, who's now pregnant with Jesus, when, when, when they get close, the Spirit of God would move on Elizabeth and that baby would leap in her womb and the Bible says that the Spirit would feel John the Baptist and the Spirit would feel Elizabeth at the same time. And those two men, 
John the Baptist and Jesus would change our world forever. The Spirit of God would move on John the Baptist and he would go to the wilderness and preach. As he preached in the wilderness, multitudes would come, hundreds, thousands of people would come and stand in the desert to hear one who cried out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he would baptize many in the river Jordan. The baptism of repentance as we'll read in Acts 19 with the 12 disciples in the church of Ephesus that had been baptized into the baptism of repentance. That, that is what the power and the spirit of God will do to you. And it was under the auspices of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And after he was tested and tried and he came back out, it was that Spirit of God that was upon him where he turned water into wine and he opened blind eyes and the lame leaped and, and the deaf could hear again and the dead were raised out of the grave. It was the power and the Spirit of God. He said, I don't do these things by myself, but I do these things under the power of God. And he was that earthly resemblance of that Spirit and power. And, 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 and he walked with his disciples and he talked with his disciples and he, he comforted them on earth when they had problems. He was there when their mother-in-laws were dying. He healed them. Uh, when they were scared on the ship, he came and comforted them and said, Be not afraid, it is I. When they could not cast out the devil, Jesus came and said, it, it, It's okay. You need to know that this kind come out not by, but, but by prayer and fasting. Jesus walked with them and comforted them. When they were afraid, like Peter, and said, No, 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 God, this isn't it. God would calm him down by saying, Depart from me, Satan. I rebuke you. And Peter would realize, okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just in my head right now. Everything's gonna be okay. It was, it was, it was Jesus who who said, Where, where, where are your uh, condemners? Where are your accusers? And when the lady looked up, there was none there but Jesus. Because he was that comforter. He 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 healed the sick and he raised the dead. And the disciples felt safe around him because they knew around him anything can happen. They felt comfortable around Jesus because they knew in the storm Jesus would always show up. They, they felt comfortable around him and Jesus comforted them because they knew that, listen, if we're just down to one loaf of bread and one fish stick, this guy will make us a whole feast we good. We, we, we know that he's going to make a way out of no way. We, we know that he is going to be our advocate. We know that he's going to be our, our hearer and our listener. And we know that when we can't speak, Jesus will speak for us. And we know when it's too hard, Jesus will make up the difference. And we know when the storm is too outrageous, Jesus comes walking on the waves. And we know that if, the, we know that if our friends are already dead and put in the cave, that all it takes is one word from the Messiah to say, come out, Lazarus. We... We know we, we, we are comfortable with him because he's our comforter. But now Jesus is saying, I got to go. I got to go. I can't stay with you much longer. The time has come when all prophecy should be fulfilled. I got to go. I got work to do. 
I have to go. I can't stay with you any longer. I go to prepare a place for you. A place? Yeah, a place. See, this is how uh, John chapter 14 starts. Jesus is telling them, I got to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you uh, so that where I am, you can be also with me. He said, because in my father's house, there are many mansions, and if it were not so, I, I would not have told you. I wouldn't be lying to you. I wouldn't get your hopes up. I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm telling you that where I'm going, there are many mansions. There's many rooms. There's many places. You're good to go. But I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And he said, I'm going to be with the Father, and the Father's going to be with me. He said, but, but, but can, I, can I help you? He said, don't, don't, don't be dismayed and, and don't be weary. He said, because anything you ask in my name, I'm going to do it for you. Oh, Hallelujah. You know what, we like to skip over that verse in John 14, 13 and just read it on, pass it on by because it scares most of us. But can I read it for you like Jesus said it? He said, whatever you ask, if you ask it in the right name, I'm going to do it for you. Not for you and not even for me. I'm going to do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you know what that is? That's, that's a devil entendre. That's a, that, that's a devil. That, that's a repetition. He said, whatever you ask, that will I do. Then he said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What he's telling you is, you need to get this, that if you ask anything of me by my name, I will do it for you. And then he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray. I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. Another? Yeah, it's another because right now you got me. I'm here with you physically. You can touch me. I'm here with you now. You, you, you have walked with me for three years. And for three years, I've kept you. I took you away from hearth, home family, job, security, and you've been blessed over the last three years because you've walked with me and you've been with me. And my spirit has been with you and I've taken care of you. I've comforted you. But when I go, I'm going to send you another comforter. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Oh, hallelujah. He said, listen, I know y'all got used to me fixing all the problems. You got used to, when, you, when you're in trouble, you come running to me. I know you've got used to calling on my name when, when you can't feed the 5,000. I know you got used to calling on my name when Lazarus was already dead. I know you got used to calling my name when you couldn't cast the devil out of somebody. I knew, Peter, that you called my name when your mother-in-law was sick and about to die. I know that you've called me, but I'm not going to leave you without me. He said, I'm leaving but I'm not going to leave you without me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going, but I'm not going to go so far that you can't have me. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter. And we see the word comforter in the Old Testament as well. The Old Testament word for comforter literally means comforter. Someone who will comfort you in your time of need. They will comfort. They will come beside you and they'll say, oh, 
You okay? Oh, that's right. Just cry on my shoulder, baby. Oh, it's going to be okay. Are you going to fix it? No, I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to comfort you. You, you. you good? You need to put your feet up? You need, some, you need some, some chicken soup? I can't fix nothing. I just make you feel better. That's the Old Testament comforter. Listen, the Old Testament prophet Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he'll say this. He'll say, he'll say, he'll say I, I'm thankful for the comforter that we have. And he said, matter of fact, I'm so thankful for the comforter that, that, that I, I, now that the comforter has left, he said, I, I praise God for the dead more than I praise God for the living because the dead got, have it better. Because he what, he, what Solomon was saying was, I like to be comforted. When I'm sick, I want somebody to take care of me. When I'm sad, I need my little pat on the back. When I'm feeling down, I need somebody to come on and get down with me. You know the people that when you're in trouble, they're like, well, you know what? It's going to be all right. Suck it up, baby. Let's go. That's not a comforter. No, I don't, I don't need that. I, I don't need, when I got the flu, I don't need nobody telling me, come on, get up. You're going to be all right. Ain't going to kill you. That's not comfort. I need comfort. I like, I like for Amanda to take care of me when I'm sick. To say, baby, you need anything? Oh, you gotta put on, you gotta put it on a little thicker. Oh, it's okay. Oh. I don't know. Do we have any more of that? You want some water? Oh, yeah, could put some ice in it. Okay. We like to be comforted. That's the old testament version of the comforter and it was the prophet Solomon who said when you don't have a comforter you might as well be dead that's what he said he said without the comforter I, I, I'd rather be dead than alive because when I'm alive I need someone to comfort me I need a comforter but when Jesus says in John 14 the first time we'll see the word comforter in the New Testament this is the first time in the New Testament that we'll see the word comforter and it's important to you to understand that John wrote this last this is the last book that John will write in, as far as the Gospels go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John writes his, John writes his book 60-something years after Jesus is dead. He's the last Gospel writer, and he makes sure that he puts the word comforter in his book four times. And matter of fact, John 14, 15, and 16 are totally those three chapters are given to the concept of this comforter that's going to be sent. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm sending you another comforter. And when he said comforter, it didn't mean the old school comforter, the one who would pat your pillow and, and, and soothe all your wounds and just be like, it's going to be okay, baby. I'm just going to be here with you. I'm going to keep you comfortable. Not that kind of comforter. The word in the New Testament for a comforter is Paracletus. Yeah. Because in the Old Testament, the comforter would just comfort you. But in the New Testament, the comforter would be an advocate. Yeah. He didn't say, I'm sending my spirit to baby you. He said, I'm sending my spirit to advocate for you. He said, I'm sending a paracletus. I'm sending an intercessor. I'm sending the in-between. The paracletus.
paracletus, as we know today as a paraclete. The paraclete stands in the gap. And the paraclete speaks the languages of both sides of the aisle. The paraclete literally is a term used, and we, we, we've never really heard the word paraclete, but you've heard a paralegal. You've heard a paramedic. You've heard of a parachute. You've heard of a paratrooper. This, this paraclete, paracletus, is not just one who makes you feel good. The paracletus can actually make you good. It's not just one that, that, that says, oh, you've been hurt. Let me make you comfortable. This comforter says, oh, you've been hurt? Let me advocate for you and make sure that you are healed from your hurt. The paracletus stands in the courtroom and speaks your language, but also speaks the language of the judge. He said, I will comfort you. I will take care of you. I will watch over you. I will intercede on your behalf. I'll take your problems and I'll bring them before the judge and I'll say, listen, I'm talking to you on the behalf of this person. They messed up. They made a mistake. They're hurting. They're wounded. They don't even know what to pray right now. They can't even understand what they're going through. But I'm standing in the gap. Oh, hallelujah. I come today to preach to you that the Holy Ghost is not just trying to be on you like it was in the Old Testament, but the Holy Ghost wants to be in you like in the New Testament. Hey. He said, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that ye may abide. He may abide with you forever. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't going to leave like I left. It ain't going to be three years and then he's gone. You can't kill him on a tree. You can't put him in a grave. You can't put no nails in his hands. You can't put no crown of thorns on his head. When the Spirit comes, nobody can put him out. When the Spirit comes, he cannot be denied. When the Spirit comes, there's no stone you can roll in front of the tomb. When the Spirit comes, He will be with you forever. Somebody shout yes. He said, He's coming. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. What do you mean we know him? You know him because you know me. For he dwelleth with you. Can you put it on the screen for me real fast? This is John 14 and 17. He said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. He said, but you know him. How do we know him? You know him because you know me. Watch this. He said, for he dwelleth with you. Present tense. He's here right now. He's dwelling with you. He's sitting at your table. He's drinking wine with you. He's eating bread with you. You've walked with him. You've talked with him. You've seen him raise the dead. You've seen him open the eyes. He, for he dwelleth with you. 
and shall and shall is to come. It's that, that's, that's future tense. And shall be in you. He said, listen, disciples, I've been with you, but you won't even be able to stand it when they take me to the cross. I've been with you, but you'll turn your back on me. I've been with you, but you'll walk away from me. Peter, I've been with you, but you'll curse me and you'll deny me three times before the sun rises. But when I get in you, I've been with you and you saw me do great things. I've been with you and you've worked some good miracles. But when I get in you, they'll boil you in oil and you still won't give up my name. When, when I'm in you, they'll cut off your head and you'll sing my praises until the blade falls. When I'm in you, you'll walk through fire because no one can turn you around. When I'm in you, you know why? Because now I'm with you and you can do all things when I'm with you. But when the comforter, when the paracletos gets in you, I'll be your advocate. I'll be your comforter. I'll walk with you. I'll help you walk on water. I'll help you feed the 5,000. John and Peter, the blinded eyes are going to be open because of you. People are going to walk because of you. Paul, listen, Paul, when your shadow falls on them, they're going to get out of the bed. Why? Because I'm not with you. I'm in you. I was with Moses and he did great things. I was with Abraham and he did great things. I was with Samson and he tore down walls. I was with David and he killed giants. What are you going to do when I'm in you? He said in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. I will come to you not it will come to you not he will come to you I will Jesus was telling them when I separate my spirit from this body my spirit is coming to you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead not another spirit I'm talking about the spirit that moved on the face of the deep in Genesis chapter 1 that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's going to get us out of here oh, I will not leave I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more the world will see me no more. This man, this flesh, this human. The world will see me no more. They won't see me. Watch this. Oh, it's so good. The world won't see me no more. But ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also. What do you mean? I'll tell you. On that day, at that day, what day? You'll know what day. You'll know it. On that day, what day? The day you die? No, not the day I die. The day I come back. Oh, you talking about coming back riding on them, on them stallions? You gonna be riding on them horses with fire in your eyes and a sword in your hand? No, 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 no. I'm talking about when I come back. 50 days from this weekend. <laughs> and that day you shall know that I am in the Father and ye are in me and I in you. Jesus said, 
Jesus said, the world seeth me no more. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And the world can't see me, but the world will see you. And if they see you, listen, this ain't nothing new for Jesus because they asked Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. What did he say? What did Jesus said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was he telling his disciples? He said, listen, when, when that day comes, you'll realize that I've been in the Father, and the Father's in me, and I'm in you, and you're in me. He said, so just like I said, show us the Father. One day they'll ask you, show us Jesus, and you can say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's coming a little while, and the world won't see me no more, but the world's going to see you. Listen, Truth Chapel, they can't see Jesus anymore, but they can see us, and we got to get ourselves right and get ourselves ready so that when the world sees us, they don't see Court, they don't see George, they don't see David, they don't see Jamie. They don't see Michelle. They don't see Tanisha. What they see is they see Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Why are you looking for him? Because if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you heard me, you heard him. If you watched me, you watched him. Because I have a paracletus. Yeah, he's my, he's my parachute when I'm falling. He's my paramedic when I'm weak. He's my paralegal in the courtroom. He's my paratrooper. When the enemy has come in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against him. He's on my side. He doesn't just make me feel good, but he actually makes me good. He watches over me, and he holds me, and he protects me, and he advocates for me. Uh, oh, yeah. What are you saying today? I'm saying, number one, that you need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you need it. You need the Holy Spirit working in your life. You need the Holy Ghost working in you. You need to receive it. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, this ain't no mumbo jumbo. This ain't no black magic. This ain't no fairy tale. Now I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost is real. And it's for you. You say, I, I, I don't need all that. I got the word. Well, they had the word too. But they still needed the Holy Ghost. I don't need all that. I have a relationship with God. Well, so did his mama. Mary had a relationship with him. But she got the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. Oh. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really... I don't really need the Holy Ghost. I, you know, I got, I got really good things happening. I'm a, I'm a really good person. Well, so was Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He was a good man, prayed every day, gave his alms to the poor. But the Bible said the angel woke him up and said, you got to go find a man who will tell you what you ought to do. 
And when Peter came to his house and preached, he received the Holy Ghost while Peter was preaching. And Peter said to the Jews, should we baptize him? They said, I think we should because we heard him speak in new tongues just like we did. We ought to put them down. You say, well, listen, I don't really need the Holy Ghost. I know a lot about God. I'm religious. I be reading my Bible all the time. I'm good. Well, so was those jokers in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus. They were disciples. They were walking with God. They knew God. They were reading all the scriptures. And, and the Bible says that, that when Paul saw him, he said, ha, y'all doing real good. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. What? How was you baptized? Because they say, listen, we was baptized into John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. He said, well, let me get some water because I got a new name. I got a new name. When you baptize, and the Bible says he baptized them in Jesus' name. And when he laid hands on them, they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost. If Mary's mama needed it, if the disciples needed it, if the good man needed it, if the religious folks needed it, what makes us stand here today and say, I don't need, no, I need a paracletus because I, I, I can't get it right on my own. I don't even know the language of the courtroom, but he can talk for me. He can speak for me. Hey. I need somebody to talk for me. Uh, I need somebody to tell it. I can't tell it. Sometimes I don't even know what I did wrong. I just know I did something wrong. So I, gotta, I, I need somebody to tell me what to say. Because I don't want to be saying stuff that ain't right. I don't even know how to make it right with God. I don't even know how to get some of these questions answered. I got trouble in my head. I don't know what to do. I got trouble in my family. I don't know what to do. Uh, I, 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 got, I got all kinds of trouble in my life and I don't know what to say. And I know that God sits on the throne that he's the judge of the whole world. And I wish I could talk to him. I don't even know what to say to him. <clears throat> I watched a young man try to talk to a judge one time, not many years ago. He didn't have no lawyer in the courtroom. He was just there representing himself. Oh, what a fool. I got a whole row of lawyers here. One of the worst things you could do, right, is to defend, try to represent yourself. What you talking about? This young man started, it was in a break, and it was just a moment of silence. Where in the moment of silence, this young man decided he was going to have his little time with the judge. He started using words like mitigate and leniency and subpoena. I was sitting in the back of the courtroom thinking, what are you doing, bro? Stop talking. Why are you talking? Literally, as I was thinking, why are you talking? The judge said, why are you talking to me? <laughs> exactly. Why are you talking to this man? You don't know what to say. He said, oh, no, I'm, 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 and the judge said, no, you don't even have a lawyer here. You can't talk to me. That's what the judge told him. You can't talk to me. By the end of that court session, that man was in so much trouble. Literally. I'm talking like jail time trouble. He talked himself into a mess because he did not know the language of the courtroom. And he had no paracletus. 
I got to have somebody that can speak the language. You see, number one, you need to know that you need the Holy Ghost. Number two, you need to know that once you have it, you need to use it. Listen, can I preach to somebody here? Because there are probably more people in this room that need to learn how to use it than that need it. Because me and you have been taught that the Holy Ghost and the Spirit is something that you do when you get saved. But can I tell you that the paracletus is not just for saving, it's for comfort. I wish I had another hour. Now I got time. Is it okay? Am, am I doing all right, Sister Chavis? Because, because I, I know people that got really nice couches, but you can't sit in them. Every one of us got a grandma, an auntie. Every one of us in this room got a grandma, an auntie, a cousin, somebody that have some really nice Ashley store furniture that's real pretty, covered in plastic, and if you was to sit on it, You would get kicked out of the house. You can't even get a plate to go, baby. You got to go. You sit on my couch. But I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is when you bought it, it was built for comfort. And if you never sit in it, you don't know that it's comfortable. Some of y'all got the Holy Ghost one time and you covered it in plastic, put it on the wall, said, I got the Holy Ghost. But baby, that thing was built for comfort. That's a paracletos. And if you never sit in it, you won't know that it's comfortable. If you never say, Lord, speak for me. Lord, speak for me. I'm in trouble. I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm about to use the Holy Ghost. Lord, I got trouble. You need to know that this thing was built for comfort. It was built so you can rest in it. Oh, sweet sleep in the presence of God. Some of y'all ain't got no peace, no joy, but you got the Holy Ghost. That's right, you got it, but you covered it in plastic. You got to use it, baby. Take off the plastic and say, I'm getting in. I'm getting all the way in. Lord, fill me up. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Some of y'all, the last time you spoke in tongues was when you got the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, that's a shame. Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Some of y'all, the last time you sat down in that beautiful couch was in, on the showroom floor. You said, oh, yeah, this is comfortable. This is nice. I just want to look at it, though. Here's what he said. Paul will show us, and I'm almost finished. Paul will show us in Romans 8. In Romans 8, he said in verse 22, Romans 8, 22, put it on the screen for me if you can. Romans 8, 22, he said, for we know, we got this, we know, that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Yeah, I have the spirit of adoption, but there's a groaning in me. There's a great getting up morning coming when my body shall walk in the adoption that I received when I received the spirit of adoption. Watch this. He said, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? 
But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise. Somebody elbow your neighbor and say likewise. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You know how he started? He started this was, for we know. We know the whole earth. We know it, we, we groaning. We got that adoption in us and we, 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 we know. But I don't pray for what I know. My paracletus is not in my life for what I know. If I know the language, I don't need nobody to talk the language. I don't need an intercessor if I know what to say. That's not what my paracletus is for. It's not for what I know. It's for when we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so thankful that I have the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you, in the last couple years, I've been using my Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's the only way I'm standing before you right now. Because when I was talking, you know what I was doing? I was messing things up between me and the judge. I was just talking my own language, trying to figure it all out, saying, God do this, God do that. I need this, I need that. I got to have this, Lord, I need that. But when I stopped all that and I started praying in the spirit to say, Lord, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in the spirit, the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Yeah, some of y'all sitting here right now thinking, I wonder what God's will is for my life. You may never know, but the spirit knows. So pray in the spirit. You say, there's 10 doors open in front of me, Lord, and I don't know which door to walk. I don't know what your will is, which door I need to walk through. Pray in the Spirit and watch nine doors close. Oh, ain't nobody want to talk back to me. Lord, Lord, I, I, got, I got a lot of decisions to make, and I don't know which decision to make. Pray in the Spirit because the Spirit knows the will. The Spirit knows the language. The Spirit can talk to the judge. He's my lawyer in the courtroom. He's my help in the hospital room. He's my comfort. He is my paracletus. Music can come. Watch how Paul ends this in verse 20, 28. Watch how Paul, I, I love the way Paul writes. Paul, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. He said, he said, we know that the whole earth groaneth and waiteth. And, and not only they, but we ourselves, we groaning too because we, with that, that spirit, we, the, we have the first fruits of the spirit. We, we have that first fruits of the spirit. And we ourselves grow within ourselves waiting for the adoption. We know. And we are saved by hope. And, 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 and the spirit helpeth our infirmities for we know not what to pray. But, but the spirit makes that, inter, the spirit fills in the gap for what we don't know. And it intercedes for us on behalf of us. It is our paracletus. And, and, and it, it intercedes for the saints according to the will of God.
Watch how he ends it in verse 28. He said, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Did you just see that? We know. We know. Right in the middle? We don't know. There's some things that I know, and for those things, I don't need a paraclete. Some things in my walk with God that, that I know, I know the answer to them. I know that if I just stay on the track, do what I got to do, it's going to work out. I know. I know. There's things about people that I know. There's things about situations that I know. There's trouble that comes into my life sometimes, and I know. I'm like, you know what? That's a result of a dumb choice that I made right there. And this ain't the devil, and this ain't the spirit, and I'm not trying to rebuke everything and everybody. This is just me being dumb, and now I'm living with it. And Lord, I know what I got to do. I got to stop being dumb, and I got to start being smart. I know. I know. I think I'm talking for everybody when I say there are some things I got no clue. I have no answer. Situations in my life, I got no answer for it. I'm like, God, what are you doing? There's situations in the church that I'm like, God, what is the right answer here? I don't know what to say. Should I? Should not? Situations in my family that I'm like, God, if you could just show me, I'd be super, super, super appreciative. Because I don't know. And in those moments, I'm reminded of the Paracletus who already knows. For he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. For he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. For he that searcheth the heart knoweth knows he knows what I don't know he sees what I can't see he handles what I can't handle he operates in places I can't operate he deals with hearts that I can't deal with he speaks on my behalf he's between me and the judge and sometimes I'm the silly boy standing in the courtroom trying to direct God with my feeble prayers my God, you know, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. Put this person here, put this place there. Lord, let this door open. And I'm in there like I know God's will, talking my own talk. And God wants to say to me, why are you talking to me? You're not talking right. I got to stand back and get with my lawyer, my paralegal, my paraclete, my paracletus. I got to depend, lean on my paramedic. I got to put the weight on my parachute. I, Lord, I don't know what to say. And when I begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to answer the questions that I need answers to. Because if I knew what to say, I could say it. And if I could just get what I wanted, I would get it but he knows what hit the wheel is. He knows what the wheel is. 
And so I take all the power out of my hands. Hear me now. When I pray in the spirit, I take all the power out of my hands and I put it in his. And when I pray in the spirit, what I'm doing is I'm surrendering to the paracletus. <laughs> and uh, my row of lawyers here can, can, can confirm this. It, it really works best when the, when the person who's, who needs the lawyer tells the truth, tells it all. Like, you can't help me if I don't tell you everything. If I got some skeletons in the closet, it's probably going to come out in the courtroom. If I just tell you everything now and you know everything, then you can really help me. And so when we begin to pray in the Spirit, it is a humbling of self. It is an admission that I don't know what to do. It is a submission of God, whatever you do is fine by me. Whatever door you open, even if it isn't my favorite, I'm going to walk through it. Whatever way you make, even if it ain't even on my radar right now, that's the way I'm going to take. When you pray in the Spirit, you allow God to do what God's going to do. You take all the power out of your hands and you put it in His and you let God do it. That's what the disciples showed us in Acts chapter 1. When they said, who will fill the role of Judas? And they found out who was available and who could do it and who met the criteria. And they took their names and they put them in a box and they prayed. They said, Lord, have your way. And they shook the box up and they threw it on the ground and the lot fell on Matthias. It see, they took the power to their hands. They took all the control from themselves. And they just said, Lord, whatever you're going to do, just do it. And the Lord had his way. But me and you were so terrified to put everything in the box and shake it up and say, Lord, have your way. We're terrified sometimes to just let God's will be done. We're terrified because the paracletus has to have control for us to win. The comforter, not the one who pats you on the back and says everything is going to be okay. He'll do that too. But the one who says, I'm going to fix this. I'm an advocate. I'm an intercessor. I can speak the language. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the judge to let his will be done. And you got to live with that. Because we know. We know. You know what we know? Here's what we know. We know that if we let the Spirit speak for us, that all things will work together for the good. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for showing us that if we let the Spirit speak for us and we let him intercede according to the will of God, that all those things are going to work together for the good of them that love the Lord. To them who are called according to his purpose. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you for letting me take my time and preach today. I held you a little bit longer than I normally do, but I... Two points that I wanted to make today, and I hope I made them very clear. Number one, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need it. It is a paracletus in your life. It is your advocate. It is your intercessor. Number two, if you have the Holy Ghost... 
and you're not currently using it, how do you even know what God's will is? How do you even know what God wants to do in your life? Do you know everything and that's why you pray? Paul said, I pray in tongues of men and I pray in tongues of angels. Paul said, matter of fact, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul said, matter of fact, I, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I need it more than, I got all kinds of questions. I, I let God direct my paths. And, 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 and because I do that, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Now he said, be careful when you're at church that you don't be a distraction to people. He gave, us, he gave us laws to, to walk by. He said, be careful that when people come into your church that you're not all speaking in tongues. He said, because they will think that you're a crazy person and they'll leave. That's, that's Bible. Yeah, so we got to be careful. We, we understand that. There, there, there's rules that we should walk by. There, there, there's things that we should attend to and, and we should do things decently and in order. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. I read 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 too. But I also know that Paul wrote Romans as well. The same guy who wrote about the directions of, you know, speaking in tongues, prophesying, being careful, making sure that we're not doing things out of order, causing people to, to stumble, making, making ourselves look crazy. The same guy that wrote that wrote Acts. Uh, he wrote Romans 8 too and the same guy who was saying I speak in tongues more than all of you was probably referring to the fact that he was saying I pray in the spirit all the time because I don't know what God's doing I don't know how God is directing my paths but it was this man who spoke in tongues more than all of them who would have dreams and there would be a man who would say hey come to Macedonia and Paul would say he needs us to come preach a revival it was, it, it was Paul who, who would hear the voice of God. It was Paul who would sit down in the prison cell knowing that his life was about to end. But he would write to Timothy. Oh, Timothy, you got to keep your faith up high. Timothy, when I think about you, I think about your grandmother, your mother. You have faith, Timothy. And he's encouraging Timothy from the prison cell because that's a man who prays in the Spirit. I need it today. I gotta have it. I need a paracletus. I need someone who can speak for me. An advocate. Someone to come alongside and I not only comfort my pain and my fears, but also make a way for me to walk in. So today, those two points, you need the Holy Ghost, you need to use the Holy Ghost. If those are for you today, we're gonna sing in a moment. I like to open this altar. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.